Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing. All my teams, 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Big show. What's in store today? Episode number 245. It's finally here. Football's finally back. It was a blast to watch the NFL follow Dynasty teams this weekend. I know Dynasty managers were excited as ever to start the season, while Dynasty players actually struggled to produce this week, especially in those early games. At halftime, I think of the early games. There are eight early games. There are only 13 touchdowns that were scored in the entire first half of those eight games. And so those were pretty wild um, just to see that. Thankfully, things picked up after that, especially in the afternoon games where there were a few that were shootouts, some games that went down to the wire before my Cowboys finally jumped on the scene and smashed the Giants on Sunday night. Well, hopefully Monday night football is going to deliver an exciting fantasy-relevant end to this week of fantasy football. I am recording this, like always now, on Monday afternoons before the Monday night game. And so just want to talk about some overall Dynasty takes. I also give you a little uh, a glimpse of the waiver wire, something that you don't really get too many podcasts out there that do this, but give you a little jump on the waiver wire if you're part waivers process. I'll give you some guys that I'm actually looking for that are available in my leagues. So let's jump into it after following all the players on the Thursday and the Sunday games. Here are some of my Dynasty takeaways after week number one. First one, I'd say surprising roles. Uh, there's a few young running backs whose dynasty value was low coming into this season, but now they appear to have new roles that are going to make their dynasty stock rise quite a bit. Uh, by most, uh, by measure of snap counts and touches, especially in the first half, it was Kyron Williams, who appeared to be ahead of Cam Akers. Williams played 65% of the snaps compared to Akers' 35%, and then Williams got the goal line carries and scored twice, he looked much quicker, much more explosive when just watching the games. And over the last few weeks, if you've been listening, a reporter, a very trusted reporter, Jordan Rodrigue, she hinted that uh, Coach McVeigh really wanted to feature Williams more. Well, man, looks like we all should have listened more than we had uh, to this point. I think if Williams keeps this lead role, his dynasty value is going to shoot way back up. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But big surprise. That was probably the biggest surprise of the whole week for me. Similar surprise, but maybe not as much of a surprise, but it was just good to get the question answered. The same can be said for Kenny Gainwell. He answered the question about, you know, who's going to lead the Eagles' backfield. Rashad Penny was actually a healthy scratch. That was interesting. Then DeAndre Swift barely did a thing. Gainwell played 62% of the snaps compared to Swift's 29%. Swift touched the ball only twice, while Gainwell touched the ball 18 times. So Penny, you know, I don't I want to keep that factor in. Penny might return. If he does return, then he's going to mix things up. But from this very first week one now, we at least know that Gainwell has locked up a spot ahead of Swift. Let's see if Penny can do anything about it. And then maybe on a, a little lighter key note, surprise rolls was Joshua Kelly. He split carries 50-50 with Austin Eckler, 16 carries each. Both scored touchdowns, too. Uh, the Chargers seem pretty set on giving Kelly more touches this season to keep Eckler healthy. Uh, Kelly looked powerful, too, very explosive on his runs. Uh, he's really come into his own here in his fourth year. He's definitely an excellent thunder to Eckler's lightning, if you want to kind of use that analogy again. Um, I added Kelly, actually, off the waiver wire in uh, two, season, two of my leagues this last year during the preseason. And then I drafted him in a free agent auction draft that my buddy Dave and I did. 
Uh, he's a surprise pickup, you know, who I think is probably going to see the starting lineup in some of my leagues, particularly deep ones. He could be kind of that last flex player that I put in if he keeps playing like this. And if Eckler, you know, was to get injured, things would be very good uh, for, for Joshua Kelly. So finally making a difference there. Those were surprise roles that I noticed. Next, let's talk about some rookies, man. Immediate impact. I'll call this immediate impact. Uh, three rookie wide receivers made immediate impacts. Uh, two first-round picks and one that was drafted in the fifth round. Zay Flowers, he was a top-targeted Raven in the first game in his NFL career. What a great surprise. He was targeted 10 times, caught nine passes. Uh, just was, looked like he was the quickest guy in the field, just shaking defensive backs everywhere, finding holes in the defense all day long. They got to temper that with just a one little thing that Mark Andrews did. Mark Andrews did miss the game with an injury, and so there's you know there's definitely more targets to go around this time than usual. However, uh, Flowers looked great, and he looks like he's going to become Lamar Jackson's favorite wide receiver of the group ahead of Rashad Bateman and, and Odell Beckham Jr. What a great start to his rookie season in Game One. Jordan Addison, another guy. Uh, he didn't play as many snaps. He only played 56% of the snaps, uh, but he was effective when he was in the game. He had four catches and a touchdown while playing just those 56% of those snaps, like I said. Uh, the Vikings, you know, did the same thing with Justin Jefferson his rookie year, and it didn't take them too long to realize that Jefferson was a much better player than B.C. Johnson. And so it's not going to take long for them to see that Addison is better than K.J. Osborne. They're just trying to work him in a little bit here. I think within weeks his snap count is going to go way up, and his targets are going to rise to that wide receiver two type of level that we look for. Uh, good to see Addison get in the end zone. Uh, great first start to him. But then my most drafted rookie, Puka Nakua, I mean, I like to talk about him on the podcast all the time. He was the highest scoring rookie this week in week one after catching 10 balls on 15 targets for 119 yards. I've been beating this drum, you know, for the last few months. And so even though I've been beating the drum, he still exceeded my expectations. What a start for this fifth round pick outplaying all the other receivers drafted ahead of him. Now things are undoubtedly going to change once Cooper Cup returns from his injury, but until then, he's moving into my starting lineups. I believe that he'd you know become an immediate starter for the Rams, but I did not think he'd become a week two starter in my dynasty lineups, but he, he sure as heck is, particularly in my deep leagues, but I think probably every league where I have him, which is six of my nine leagues, do I have Puka Nakua, so pretty exciting. A little less exciting, we'll call this next topic, left wanting, left wanting. Uh, as for the top two rookie running backs, they look fantastic in their first game, but dynasty managers were left wanting more. We want more. Bijan Robinson, uh, he looked terrific. Uh, you know, every time every time that he touched the ball, especially that highlight reel touchdown that you know made three guys miss to score the touchdown. We're used to that here in Texas. Hook 'em horns. However, uh, Tyler Algier was far more involved in the offense than dynasty managers wanted. Bijan had four more snaps in Algier, so just four more snaps. But Algier actually outtouched him. And he got the two short yardage touchdowns, and he scored more fantasy points because he got those two touchdowns compared to Bijan's one. Uh, sadly, this is what the Falcons want to do with these two backs. And so when they're maybe in a more negative game script, I think Bijan's going to be more involved then just because he's going to be better in the passing game. But in a game like Sunday, when they had the lead from the start and had the lead the whole game, dynasty managers should expect a pretty even split between them. So that's pretty frustrating uh, for this first-year rookie running backs. Similar could be said for Jameer Gibbs. He looked terrific on Thursday night. He looked like the fastest guy in the field, breaking tackles left and right, even in his size, breaking those tackles. But David Montgomery, however, uh, he was far too involved in the offense. Dynasty managers expected this split backfield a little bit more than they did in Atlanta. 
But this first game, to see this happen this way and see him get so limited in his touches was pretty frustrating for Gibbs managers, such as myself in two leagues, because they could see with their own eyes. I could see with my own eyes, Gibbs, he, he deserved more touches. He was so good. But unfortunately for Gibbs, the Lions really trust Montgomery and pass as a pass protector, and so the game script thing, that's not going to help Gibbs either. Uh, he's more than a their gadget guy. I don't think that that's what he's going to be. They're going to give him the ball more, but his workload is going to continue to be limited by Montgomery far more than dynasty managers such as myself would like. Next thing I'll mention, I'll call this fresh start. Fresh start. There were two wide receivers that got fresh new start with their teams, and then they came out on fire in this first game, earning massive, massive, massive target shares from their quarterbacks. First is Calvin Ridley. He earned 34% target share from Trevor Lawrence and he scored the Jaguars' first touchdown of the season. Now He ended the day with eight catches for 101 yards. That's quite a start for a guy who has not played it down in nearly two years and after his injury and his suspension. Jaguars definitely took a risk by signing this 28-year-old receiver and dynasty managers who didn't trade him but held on to him, held on, to him on their rosters, kind of just a blank spot on your roster for two years. I think it's going to pay off both for the Jaguars and those dynasty managers who kept him. What a great start for Calvin Ridley. And this one, uh, this next move to Las Vegas is not as high profile as Ridley's, but Jacoby Myers, his first game with his new team was outstanding, earning him a huge chunk of targets from Jimmy Garoppolo. Myers actually received 38% target share, even though Devonte, that's even more than Devontae Adams had. He had one more, one more than Devontae Adams. He caught nine passes on 10 targets for 81 yards, but two touchdowns. So Myers, you know, has put the dynasty value of Hunter Renfro to bed now, I think. And he's a sneaky player to try to acquire maybe from managers who think this was just a flute game. I don't think so. Coach McDaniels knew Myers from his days in New England, and he has a significant role for him on the offense. What a great start for Myers. Sneaky guy you might try to add this week. This is just a little bit of rant on this next one. I'm going to call it Goose Eggs. It's so terrible when you're in a close dynasty matchup and you, you know, you're, you're relying on players and those players lay an egg. Well, this week I had four in my lineups that laid eggs in several leagues. In several leagues, I actually had two of them on one roster. It was terrible. T. Higgins, you know, he played in a wind and rainstorm, but he received uh, eight targets but didn't have a single catch. Unbelievable. Joe Burrow destroyed the Bengals' fantasy production by throwing for just 82 yards leading them to a total, a total of just six first downs. So it was terrible. T. Higgins managers, and really all the Bengals for that, manner, man, for that matter, were worthless. But to see a goose egg from Higgins after getting eight targets, that's ridiculous. Drake London, on the other hand, he can't blame the weather for his goose egg. He managed to play an entire game in a dome and received just one target, one target from Desmond Ritter. It's ridiculous. The Falcons completed just 15 passes for 115 yards. Ritter actually competed more, completed more passes to himself because he did throw one that he caught to himself. So he's got one reception, and Drake London has none, giving a goose egg that's terrible. And then Dallas Goddard, my most rostered tight end, who last season averaged 5.8 targets per game. He had just one target in this game. It gave me a goose egg in three of my nine leagues at the tight end position, including one league where I had Higgins on my roster too and another league where I had London on my roster. Double goose eggs in two of my leagues. Needless to say, um, I did not win those matchups, and I'm sure that there's better games ahead, but starting a fantasy season with goose eggs from some of your every, every week starters is pretty frustrating. Next thing I'll mention, I'll call it love. There's a little pun here. Love, leave, start. Lovely start. Jordan Love. 
his debut was just what the doctor ordered. Uh, there's room for improvement with his accuracy and completion. He just barely had over 50% completion. But he did throw three touchdowns in his season debut, and he led the team. More importantly, he led the team to a 38-20 to route over the Bears. Romeo Dobbs was you know, on a pitch count. They said he was going to be on a pitch count. He ended up playing about 50% of the snaps. But boy, did he take advantage of them. It didn't stop him from scoring two touchdowns. Uh, training camp reports continue to say that Dobbs was Love's favorite target. And he sure looked like it early in the preseason game, but then Dobbs got injured, and then there were some quiet weeks in there where you just didn't hear a lot about Dobbs because they were keeping him, you know, fresh, trying to make sure he could play. But now the secret's out. He's not a secret player anymore. Additionally, Jaden Reed had a couple of big big catches, just two, but two deep downfield. Other uh, fellow rookie, Luke Musgrave, had a, kind of an average fantasy day for a tight end. It was actually the turf monster <laughs> that snuck up and got Musgrave, or he would have actually had a touchdown to go with his 50 yards receiving. Definitely without Christian Watson, who was out with an injury. Uh, that meant that Loves and Dobbs and these two rookies were the ones to keep the offense moving. Though really, it was Aaron Jones. He's the engine of this offense. When the Packers finally figured it out, using him more effectively in the running game and the passing game, things took off and the Packers dominated. Packers' offense was one of the biggest kind of question marks in the offseason for dynasty managers. They had to project you know, what they thought this offense would look like with first-time quarterback in Love and all these first- and second-year pass catchers. Well, if they lean on Aaron Rodgers like they did and that love kind of pepper some of the young targets like he did on Sunday, I think dynasty managers really don't have much to worry about. One more general comment for the waiver all, I'll just call it dominating defenses. Uh, this preseason was pretty kind to the Steelers and Giants, whose starters, you know, looked pretty good in the drives that they had in their preseason games. Preseason hype was kind of building around them in hopes that their offense were going to produce more. You know, as Kenny Pickett and Daniel Jones, you know, entered the second year with their offensive systems, Hype, that hype, preseason hype, oh boy. It came crashing to a halt on Sunday because the 49ers and the Cowboys defenses dismantled both of these offenses. Uh, both of these games were over, literally over, by the end of the first quarter. It was just done. In uh, just one game, you know, it is just one game, so I don't want to read too much into it, but I was pretty discouraged uh, to have my hopes, you know, kind of crashed for each of these teams. The Steelers threw a total of 12 touchdown passes last year. Unreal, 12. And the Giants just 17. And so I thought both teams would regress toward the mean this year and at least throw something like 25. And that would make their wide receivers at least somewhat reliable in dynasty rosters. But man, looked pretty terrible in this week. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up hope. It could very well be that the Dallas defense and the Niners defenses are both just so awesome. They're going to do this to everybody. But man, that was discouraging for uh, all of our Pittsburgh and all of our giant assets, particularly in the receiving core. Let's talk some waiver wire. This is one of the things I like to do. Give you guys a little tip on Tuesday morning so you can listen to this and give time, yourself time to make in make the bids. You know, I do play in uh, teams that roster, you know, 300 or more players. So, that, you know, everyone has different dynasty leagues. So I'm talking about ones that are actually available in the leagues where they have 300. Some of mine even have, have up to 350 players rostered. So these are the players that I'm most interested in trying to add this week. First would be Kendrick Bourne. Um, as expected, the Patriots' offense looked much better with Bill O'Brien's, you know, directing the offense this season compared to last year. They almost came back to beat the Eagles. So that was pretty fun. But Kendrick Bourne was a huge part of the reason why. With Devontae Parker injured, Bourne, you know, took more of a prominent role in the offense, receiving 11 targets compared to Juju Smith, who just had seven. And then Bourne was the one who scored those two touchdowns to get them back in the game. Uh, you know. He's the highest scoring player on the waiver wire this week. He's probably the, the highest scoring one that's out there in your leagues. 
you know, has a good chance, has just as good a chance, in my opinion, as Parker or Smith-Schuster, who just seem to really be struggling all the time. Maybe he's going to become their leading target. Uh, he's the guy that I most want to add this week. Next would be Justin, Justice Hill. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, of course, the saddest news of the week that he tore his Achilles on Sunday, leaving a starting role to either Gus Edwards or Justice Hill. Uh, Edwards is rostered in all of my leagues, but Hill is available in some of them when I checked today. Hill looked great in the preseason. Um, you know, he, he looked pretty good, and he was the goal line back on Sunday, scoring two times. Uh, I, think he, I think he had like eight carries for nine yards or something like that, um, but he had two touchdowns or something really weird like that. Um, hey, it, it worked. This guy that you, is worth considering. I do think that they're going to add someone back to their backfield. I think I, I saw that it might bring Melvin Gordon back off the practice squad or something like that. They might try to add a player. Kareem Hunt's still out there, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do, but right now he's a player that I'd be willing to take a chance on just to see what happens with this backfield. Third player I'd be interested in adding would be Josh Reynolds. I mean, until Jamison Williams returns from suspension, Reynolds is locked in. I mean, he's locked into a starting role in the Lions offense. And knowing that he has this role, I added him in several of my rosters in the offseason after Williams got suspended. And I have him, you know, on most of my rosters where there's 12 team, 12 team, uh, 12 team leagues, he's not available. But on some of my roster or some of my leagues that are 10 team leagues, I looked and, and Reynolds is still available. I'm the one that added him in most, most of my leagues already, but he's still available in a few. Um, I don't expect this to happen very often where he's a leading, you know, had the most yardage receiving like he did on Thursday night. You know, Monroe St. Brown's going to do that. Yeah, uh, Sam Laporta is going to get involved. You know, it's going to be, hopefully, like I said, Gibbs is going to get more involved as well. Uh, but he's going to have some big games for sure. He's a starting receiver that's going to be in there almost every single down. So he's going to have some big games throughout the year. Might be startable in deep leagues. Maybe startable in shallow leagues, you know, when we come to hitting these bye weeks. Josh Reynolds, got him in most of my leagues already, but he's still a player I might want to add. Next, a guy that's been in and off of my roster forever, Logan Thomas. Thomas led the commanders in targets on Sunday. Pretty crazy. And he did not uh, carry that injury designation for the first time, and it feels like about a year. He played 81% of the snaps compared to 37 for John Bates and 14 for Cole Turner. Uh, Thomas's lingering injury, his lack of playing time in the preseason kind of left the depth chart uncertain, especially when Cole Turner had one of that, that one really great preseason game that was on primetime. But after his involvement, him meaning Thomas, after his involvement in week one, I think it's pretty clear that Thomas has won the starting role. They were just waiting for him to get healthy. 81% of the snaps says a lot. If you need a tight end or in your tight end premium league, hey, Logan Thomas is back as a starter. That's probably until he gets injured again. <laughs> like seemed, seems to be the case with him. Hey, let me throw out a longhorn for my last one. Little Jordan Humphrey, hook him horns. Humphrey only had two catches for 11 yards for the Broncos. But one catch was a touchdown, so that was nice. But what was more surprising was his snap count. Uh, he was second among wide receivers in snap count with 45 compared to Marvin Mims, who just had 19. Now, I firmly believe that Mims' snap count is going to increase as the season moves forward. And then we all know that Jerry Judy is actually going to be coming back too. And so I wouldn't try to add Humphrey in every single league. But he's like a player more I just want to put on my on my scout team, the, the ones I'm going to keep on my watch list. I'm going to keep an eye on him, and I'm going to keep an eye on that snap count for sure. Sean Payton you know, signed Humphrey when he was coaching for the Saints, and now he signed him here again in Denver. So there's something that he likes about Humphrey. Uh, that's enough to keep him on the Dynasty radar, or at least on your watch teams. Or if it's in a deep league, try to add him. Let's talk real quick about trades. What I normally do at the end of the podcast once we're in season is I talk about actual trades that took place in my leagues, but 
being week one, there hasn't been any trades left except my super complicated league. I have one league <laughs> with 48 teams in it, and there's four copies of every player. So I never really report on the trades that take place in that league because it's way too hard to explain what each manager was trying to do because there's 48 teams in it. So apart from that, there weren't any trades in my leagues this week, so I thought I'd take this last few minutes just to talk about some trades that I made uh, during the uh, in preparation for my final rookie draft that took place last weekend right before the season started. And so those were trades where I had draft picks involved. So now that I actually know which players I drafted, I can actually look at what the picks turned out to be. And so I got three of them here I mentioned briefly. Uh, T. Higgins, was I traded T. Higgins away for uh, Jordan Addison, what turned, in, what turned into in this rookie draft, Jordan Addison and Tank Bigsby. T. Higgins for Addison and Bigsby. I accepted this offer that was offered to me for picks 1.4 and 1.10, which, like I said, I turned into Addison and Bigsby. Uh, after Addison and Bigsby scored touchdowns this week and Higgins did get that uh, goose egg, I like my side of the trade, but that's just for one week, of course, uh, especially because I got to play that Higgins manager who I traded him to, so that was fun to beat him this week with Higgins on his roster. Well, when I was offered the trade, I was pretty sure at 1.4 that I would get Addison, and honestly, when I think about Addison, that was a prospect that I'm really confident in, and I was almost really would have been willing to make the trade straight up, Addison for Higgins, just to kind of buy a few years back age-wise, especially given the uncertainty with Higgins right now about what his contract is and where he's going to play next year. And so almost would have done it straight for 1.4, but when I got 1.10 added, which I turned to Bigsby, uh, that was one of the players that rose the most up my rookie rankings during the preseason games and during the preseason process. So I was pleased to add him at pick 1.10, you know, making this a trade that I'm pretty happy to have from a dynasty perspective. Again, gave away Higgins, got Addison and Bigsby. Next was a trade I made at the end of last year. Uh, Keenan Allen, I traded him away, and now what Now what I know it amounted to was Elijah Moore and Jaden Reed. So at the trade, dead, trade deadline last year, I sold Allen to a contender who actually ended up won the championship partly because Allen was so productive in the fantasy playoffs, so worked out for him. Well, in return, I received Elijah Moore and a second-round pick, which turned into pick number 20. And so picked up Elijah Moore when I gave away Allen, then I had to wait and see what pick number 20 was, and pick number 20 fell to me as Jaden Reed. I'm rebuilding a little bit in this league, so I'm pleased to have the upside of the two younger receivers uh, with Moore and Reed instead of Allen, who's definitely at the end of his career. Um, I made this trade, too. This is pretty wild. I made this trade, like I said, at the end of last season at the trade deadline. So that was before Moore got traded to the Browns, and it was before the Chargers drafted Quentin Johnson. So both of those developments made me like my side of the trade even more. And um, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm definitely going to lose production this year. I don't think these guys are ever going to be as productive as Keenan Allen this year. But I think, you know, buying back some years, really hoping that Elijah Moore can become the player that I hope um, he was my most traded for player this offseason uh, after he landed with Cleveland. And I like a little bit what he did, even though it was in that rainstorm. Uh, Jaden Reed, he's done some good things in the offseason. Like I said, just two catches for the Packers. Um, a lot of young guys, a lot of young people for Jordan Love to distribute the ball to, but happy with those players. And finally, last trade that I made actually right before this rookie draft, I think it was the night before the rookie draft, I traded away George Kittle. In return, I got David Njoku, and then I got a pick, number, number 28, that turned into Tank Dell. Gave away George Kittle for David Njoku and Tank Dell. Again, I said this was the day before the draft. I traded away Kittle, you know, for that. Um, it was a risky trade, not knowing who I would get at pick number 28, but pretty pleased that I to select Dell. He's another one of my players that rose the most in my rookie rankings after the preseason games. He's definitely not a certainty. I'm not trying to claim that he is, but I'm eager to see if he can, you know, become a reliable contributor to the Texans in their future. 
Uh, they've got a lot of receivers that I think just need to need to move on with Robert Woods and Noah Brown. It feels like Dale's going to start uh, before the season ends. He's going to become a starter. Kittle's just been a difficult player for me to start every week, you know, given his injuries, obviously, and then just a boom and bust nature of his games. And then the Niners, the way they distribute the ball, just had me a little bit concerned going into this year. He was struggling with that groin injury. And I just thought if I get Njoku, uh, might be a little bit of a step down, but I'm going to get a much steadier floor in an offense that I think is going to give him a more significant share of the targets. It's week number one, and so it hasn't worked out for me in week number one. Kittle actually doubled up Njoku in targets, but they actually scored the same amount of points, 3.4 and half PPR points. Uh, the Browns played in a rainstorm. It's a long season. Uh, we'll see. I'm just a... Uh, I'll be less happy with this trade, you know, if, if uh, Dale doesn't turn into something. But I think for me, having Kittle on my roster for so many years, I'm just ready to get kind of the headache of him off my roster. Hopefully Tank Dale's going to make me appreciate this trade a little bit more by midseason. Pretty even trade, but Dale has to show up for me to be too happy about it. All right, there we go. Week number one is in the books. My overall observations, some waiver picks, some trades that took place in my league, all of which are just an excuse to talk about players. Uh, that are in our dynasty space. So fun. So fun to be here. I appreciate you listening. That's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks again so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation at any time by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Much better on email than Twitter or X, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Again, it would help me a lot if you would take time to rate and review the podcast. That would mean a lot to me. really would. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.